welcome to another episode of Rolling Imperfection, the podcast for players and game masters to design perfect characters through imperfection. We cover all forms of game design, from interesting and engaging backstory creation to campaign and NPC development. Enjoy, remember to play what you love, and may your characters do something epic. Welcome back to Rolling Perfection, the podcast for players and GMs for their short driven campaigns and how to make them better. I'm Steve. And I'm Kevin. And now that we have our two players assembled, or rather GM and single player, uh, we have the perfect number of players to start this, right? Who? Wait, who's the... Am I the GM and you're the player, or are you the GM and I'm the player? Because... I hadn't thought that far ahead. <laughs> uh... <laughs> good, good. We're both players and both... them. Um, <laughs> I mean, technically, we are both players and both GMs. But, hey, uh, there's that uh, that uh, AI-driven uh, GM that you can get. Uh, I mean, we could technically both be wait. players and have that be the GM. Seriously? Huh. Yeah, that's, that's a sounds... thing. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. That sounds horrible. I don't think I'd like that at all. No, you definitely wouldn't like it. Trust me. Okay. <laughs> it would irritate um... you. <laughs> I think the rest of us might get a kick out of it, but it would absolutely irritate you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a little bit picky. I don't know. We'd have to have like you as like a side coach because apparently, depending on your punctuation and grammar, it interprets things differently. So, <laughs> oh God, I need you to proofread. Yeah, definitely passing, passing on that uh, <laughs> option. Uh, I think since we last recorded, we've technically only done. Wait, did we talk? No, I don't think we did. I can't even remember when the last time we recorded was. It feels like so long. It's been a while. This is the closest to actual release we've ever recorded <laughs> that's very true aside from extra episodes but yeah like yeah. tasha's and true. yeah yeah tasha's and van richten's were like two days apart uh our normal episodes are like usually months apart this one's like a week so <laughs> yeah too much vacation time <laughs> well that's yeah vacation from this not not actual vacation uh, <laughs> no not actual vacation i i get super busy in uh in May, because I'm a teacher in American school systems. So, <laughs> how yeah. has that been going, by the way? Eh, eh, it's fine. You you ready to read uh, uh backstories and critique backstories rather than uh, student papers? I once? mean, they're they're probably more interesting. To be fair, um, <laughs> <laughs> have to. Well, yeah, I'll I'll be real, real. Going through and giving comments, easy. Giving grades, like actually, like assigning numbers to everything, nightmare. <laughs> Worst thing ever. Worst thing about my job. So, but speaking of numbers, there is one thing that you do like to count, right? Uh, uh. No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> not, not even like to count your players. Like, nah, fuck them. They can count themselves. Yeah, I. I mean, that's uh, probably why you like Star Wars, isn't it? <laughs> we have to do all the dice rolling and the calculating for you. Yeah, exa- exactly. <laughs> I am the rare D and D player who's like, eh, I could take or leave the freaking dice. Um, they're nice for randomness. Uh, see episode 17. Um, or for watching people get excited like it's, uh, uh, like your child's first Christmas, uh, and they get to unwrap presents or something when you give them, uh, like, oh yeah, you can roll like 30 dice. Like, go ahead, roll 30 D10. Do your damage, calculate it, and tell me how much damage you do. <laughs> what we did at Ecliptica. Yeah. It's, it's, it's nice. It can provide some really cool moments. Um, am I in love with them? No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah um we are talking it, it started as the perfect number of players but it ended up as like pacing 
really? That's what so, I was kind of where you you pitch you pitch perfect number of players. I'm like, I feel like this is going to be about something else more than it is the perfect number of players. I mean, it's still going to be prevalent and it's still going to be important, but yeah. So I think I'm going to do my classic take a step back because when you say the perfect number of players, I generally would think what makes it perfect, right? It might be heck. You know what? This could be a real short episode if your perfect number of players is all of your friends. Boom. You do you. <laughs> Go do it. Um I hope you have fun. Um I think you I think you might have fun. You mean you didn't like my uh my pitch for Ravnica? You didn't like that? <laughs> I invited literally everybody. No, literally everyone would have been a lot more people. But um oh, no, yeah, I, I think that's, that's fine. We'll we'll talk about our own experiences with I mean, I put the games with the large numbers of players on our notes, but <laughs> I saw, yeah, we can we can discuss like varying um, sizes. Uh, so, yeah, but I think the real thing you're looking for, if you're not just inviting anyone who will come, uh, I have I cannot literally I cannot literally do that anymore because a I have a lot of friends. B I have a lot of friends who play D and D, and C. None of our schedules work, so if I actually did want everyone in a single game, it would happen like once or twice a year. <laughs> so, True. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, the other one is, uh, and I think this is really the crucial one where I sit, is I think with the perfect number of players, you should be making sure those players don't get bored, you know? Yeah, yeah, I see it, because uh, it's something... Especially for a new player, or not new player, uh, sorry, I mean new GM, uh, <laughs> something that can be difficult to think of. You might be like, oh, I know this uh, series like the back of my hand. I can you know, answer any question. I can do this and do that. Like I know how to do this. And it'd be really simple and easy, even if I've got you know eight players, whatever. But when you actually sit down and you start doing it, you might have a situation where one part of the group goes and does this one thing and the rest of the group's doing something else and uh or even worse you'd have like three separate groups or things going on and you have to find a good stopping point in what you're doing with one group to go and move into the other and then if you've got three groups that third group's still waiting <laughs> for you to get through a certain number of stuff it, it gets complicated yeah you know you might have like uh, a couple uh, or one member of your group say blow a different member of the group say out of a starship um, and they might fortunately land in another starship. Um, and then you might have uh, two members of that group decide to go rescue that person while one other person goes back. So that that's just with four people in a group They're They're in three groups suddenly. Um, yeah. That was just an example off the top of my head. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Steve just uh... bitter. Cause he was the one blown out of the airlock. I was, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so this kind of stuff, like, A, it will happen even if you have, like, the ideal number of players. Unless it's literally, like, the GM and one player, this this type of stuff happens, so. Yeah. I mean, yeah. even like, even with uh, one player, you can run into issues. I mean, maybe that's something that, like, I'll insert here, because, like, I've actually run games for a single person before, so. I mean, maybe I, I'll talk I've, about that. I've run parts of games with a single person too, but <laughs> well, that's true. You've done like like intros and stuff like that with us. I do too. mini yeah, sessions. I do asides. Um, I have had single person phone sessions to catch up players who only play sporadically. 
like guest star players. So like before they come back the next time, I'll call them up and wherever they are, because quite frequently they've been like out of town friends who kind of come in and out and, um, you know, have a one on one session. Had one with the Kami, actually, uh, actually several with the Kami during a few of our games when he uh, lived further north. (laughs) (laughs) I think the other problem with having too many players is having time for like a hook for like each or most of the players. Because unless they have very strongly interrelated backstories, you get past five. Honestly, I I struggle sometimes for strong hooks, even at, at four sometimes, uh, if they're particularly disassociated, you know. Um, it's also really hard to, like, rope all of those in and have them all make sense based on, you know, like, the plot that you have going. Because you want to tie in the characters. I mean, we've talked about, you know, backstory design story design stuff like that before but you want to have like a strong tie to the characters into the campaign and if you have to do something very unique in order to you know hook that specific character you have to do that for you know whatever your higher amount of characters that you have in your group is then it can sometimes lead to kind of like a mess of all these different things that you have to like keep track of and and remind yourself of yeah yeah um also that that is actually a good point that i that the hook is session by session. The plot lines are overarching <laughs> that, yeah. that you just mentioned. And that can get very interesting. <laughs> I've definitely <laughs> like, when I've had a lot of players, I've definitely had people like, what? Like, didn't you read my backstory? I'm like, yes, I read your backstory, but we're on session like 16 and I need to review them. <laughs> and it's not a you session right now. <laughs> so yeah. true. Yeah. Or it's like one line in their backstory. And I was like, uh, we all make mistakes. We try to make amends. So, yeah. Which kind of led me to like the true kind of underlying topic of the perfect number of players, which is essentially how do you like to pace your game? You know, um, pacing uh, can be influenced by atmosphere, which we are not going to touch on in this episode. Uh, but quite often it's it's literally how frequently each person gets to interact how much each player has input versus how much the GM is talking. That's all pacing. Um, in novels, uh, you can see pacing literally on the page. S- faster pace is shorter sentences, more dialogue. You'll often open up a page and it's those pages that make your brain relax a little when it's just a bunch of dialogue because it's going to go fairly quickly. Like your brain can go, okay, this is all divvied up already for me and I can just read through it and it goes, you know, it moves Uh, versus, you know, those Hawthorne paragraphs that last for like pages (laughs) where they're long, complicated sentences and you're sitting there like, okay, what? I just finished this. I zoned out halfway through the paragraph and my eyes were just moving, you know, (laughs) (laughs) Um, games are like that, but it's more of how quickly the trade-offs are. Um, how much exposition is going, how much kind of everyone wants to chime in, that will drive the pace versus like more explanation. Or if you present them with a complicated situation, they kind of have to like think and react. So yeah, paces, paces, you know, how often does each player get to interact with the story? How often are they interacting with each other? How quickly uh, in battle does one person give way to like the next turn? And um, how long does the GM's turn take sometimes? <laughs> um, 
And uh, do social moments involve all or most of the party? Or are you splitting up the party? Or does it primarily involve one person? So a bunch of other players are sitting out. So the game's moving quickly for one person, but the rest of everyone else is basically watching like a cutscene. They're passive. Uh, all this stuff can kind of feed in to how quickly things go. I do want to say is that like, um, it sounds like, I mean, what you're kind of hinting towards is that you can have too many players. I think that's going to be the, <laughs> the problem that a lot of people are going to have. True. Is taking on too many players. But in contrast, you also want to sometimes consider like, like if you're doing like a one-on-one uh, like session with somebody to help incorporate them into a, a group that you've already got, or you're doing a solo story or like a prequel story to help someone flesh out their backstory a bit more, which is actually a good way uh, to help out someone who isn't quite sure what to do for their backstory, maybe a new player, hint, hint. But <laughs> uh, if you've only got one or two players, it can sometimes be hard to rope the the group, as it were, into doing certain things because you don't have enough people to hook at that point. So you may want to consider, you know, what interests are there and how easy it is to hook that that group based on the number of players as well. Um, And it kind of goes both ways. So, yeah, I guess there is a, you know, a way to kind of narrow in on the perfect number of players, as it were. Uh, Yeah, very true. I suppose that, to be fair, is a problem I've literally never experienced. Yeah, you generally Uh, have really big uh, groups. I mean, I think... Like the biggest success that we've really had, I think, in um along I mean like I, I enjoy like all of our RPs really. Um it, well um <clears throat> uh all the ones that you run and the Kami runs and monster runs and Nick. Uh I've enjoyed Nick's um I mean there was one that I was like, eh, it was it was okay. Um Is that, that the one the that he's Dark really Souls down on one. too? Poor guy, yeah. Yeah. He, yeah, no, it's fine. It was him figuring something out, trying something new, so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's fine. Um, but, like, I enjoy, like, most of, like, our RPs that we do. Um, but, like, Silent Spiral, when we had only three players, was a very different ball game, And it, because the people involved as well, that's something to also consider, I guess, is that it depends on who your party is. If you have a very not outgoing person and you want to do a solo like game with them then yeah so but we'll talk about that more later uh oh, we just can talk about something it. to keep in mind we can talk Maybe about want to talk about now yeah, oh, okay, yeah yeah um i mean yeah if you're if you're looking at more or less spontaneous or improvisational players that will also affect so if you have eight super improvisational super engaged invested oh god players you're gonna get a word in as a gm <laughs> Oh, I would. Oh man, I would live for that. That honestly, I don't care how it much was. It would be fun. Yeah, it would be fun. <laughs> yeah. But like, you wouldn't have to do much planning. You'd you'd have like occasionally a guy shows up and does something, and the party acts I, and reacts. I mean, it'd essentially be you interjecting every once in a while to like set things, and they would look at you to like get how certain things react. But yeah, oh man, that that'd be good. That that's probably like the dream. <laughs> But, you know, if you have people and this is not saying they this is not necessarily saying bad players. Right. This is just people who are a little maybe newer, maybe just less improvisational, need a couple more, you know, a, a little more time to just think it out. Like, that's fine. You just you just accommodate for it. 
or people that are just exhausted from work or whatever, you know, or other social life. Yeah, that is that is very true. I'm definitely the type of GM who can think quickly on my feet. And I have had people being like, hey, like, can you just like write me out real quick? I faded real hard at the end of this um, episode and I'm just going to go <laughs> yeah. sleep on the couch. And can you catch me up next time? And I'm usually pretty good at being like, okay, I can shuffle this around. Not every GM is going to be like that, but I am. <laughs> so, yeah, it definitely does depend on the group. I completely agree. So with players definitely comes different, we'll say desires for things <laughs> to do. So the play style of a group will also adjust, you know. Um, you definitely want battles to happen in a lot of games or at least that's a common theme of games um but you don't want like simple battles to last the whole time <laughs> so yeah often combat equals can equal a faster pace but um like we're playing monsters game and monster expected me to do something to get rid of a bunch of like chump enemies but I didn't really know if it would or wouldn't. And it, it was a pretty powerful spell. And I didn't know exactly what was coming. And he was just expecting me to like start at the battle, wipe out most of them. Um, Steve, what happened? <laughs> uh, I can't remember what you specifically did. I think you targeted one. What, what, like one? Oh, no, no, that's right. You, uh, you silenced. <laughs> I silenced. Like the back corner of the, of the battlefield. Yeah. But I like, and then we got, Basically, we spent a while mowing through zombies. <laughs> like they weren't, yeah, they weren't that tough, but they were like just tough enough. They weren't like one hit chumps. So, yeah, I don't think that's ideal personally. At least not with the play style of our group. Heck, if you have a group that just loves like swinging swords and spilling guts, rock on. <laughs> but um, oftentimes, especially with more story driven. You want to make sure that those chumps are either there for a reason, like often you can have them just like block a place, or you want to get them out of the way quickly. So while combat is does sometimes lead to a faster pace because everyone has like a turn, right? So and usually you want to remind your players, hey, like this is the next batch up, get your stuff ready. Although that ha this happens frequently where, um. You've got your fighter who's got like their one thing they do <laughs> versus your magical characters who are like, hang on. Um, okay. I could use that spell with that spell. I could use this with that. Mm, you know? <laughs> so yeah, it, it gets a little dependent, you know, but social can go really quickly too, especially when all the players are involved. But quite often one player is like leading the social or a couple players are leading the social and the others like don't care or are off doing something else. Depending on play style, basically, you can move faster or slower. So you would need to think about that. Is my party faster or more into social? They more into combat. What's going to annoy them depending on which one I do? True. You, you also have to keep in mind the actual like utility utility that your party has. So if you're like, okay, I have, you know, this interesting uh, dungeon that they're going to crawl through. I know you don't do dungeon crawls, but I'm pitching the audience here. I have done dungeon crawls. I just well, not got a, tired not of lot. them and, and haven't yeah. done them very often recently. <laughs> but if you have a dungeon and you have all these like cool traps and things they have to figure out and all this weird stuff, 
you're like, okay, perfect. But then you have a really large group and they all happen to have very different skill sets. And each of them is basically like a skeleton key for that one task. And there's nothing that anyone's weak, you know, weak to, like you're not playing into, you know, the party's weaknesses as it were to like make things more interesting, then they might just fly through that a lot quicker than you had planned. And you had a, you know, a full session planned and they got through it in an hour or two, even if they had fun with it. I mean, I can put, you know, stress on you and you having to like pull something out of your back pocket. I've totally been there. Um, <laughs> trust me. I mean, I think with dungeons, my biggest advice is have a narrative feature to the traps. Make the traps say something about your world or an organization or a part of the history. Oh, yeah, for sure. That that converts them from merely tasks to be done to enriching your world. And pretty much every dungeon I've ever done, I've tried to have it reflect the world or the villain something. So I was more referring to like... Um, like the issue that you can have with having a player not have to really worry about, you know, like, uh, like if you put Seknos, my character in Star Wars, who is a smuggler doctor, and then one other thing, I forget what the other one was. Uh, <sighs> smart ass. <laughs> um, so he's not really a fighter at all. Uh, like when I made the character, he had essentially a holdout blaster and that's all he had, which was absolute trash and not really worth anything. Um, but like if Kevin put me into a combat situation where I had to fend for myself, that would be very um, like stressful for that character. He would have to probably not think about how to use his gun to shoot someone in the face. He'd have to probably get creative and do something else differently which I feel would be kind of interesting. And if you have if you have a character where, you know, this character's good at this, this character's good at that, this character's good at that, because you have so many players and everyone's good at something else, they all cover each other's bases, then they can just kind of look over at so-and-so and be like, okay, you do that. So then you have to separate them. And now that you're separating them, you're running into the problem we mentioned earlier where you have different groups doing different things. And so that's all I was really trying to point out is that you also keep in mind the utility that they're good or not good at. And vice versa, if you have a small group, then... They might struggle with a ton of things because they decided to make a character that's, you know, um, very specific, very oriented toward like this thing. Yeah, I'm a thief. I, I steal stuff, so I'm a sneaky guy. And I've got no other skills at all. <laughs> well, then, that's going to be rough. <sighs> See episode four, Imperfecting a D&D character. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, um, I think that's true. This also rolls into system depending on how complex the tasks are, how much addition, how much the numbers need to be played with, how many dice there are. Um, in the case of we're playing Star Wars Edge of the Empire with the Steve getting blown out of a starship um, example earlier. <laughs> uh, we, in that game, you have you interpret symbols, basically. And actually, last time it was it kind of sped it up, especially now that I've reviewed how everything works again. We had a little bit of hiatus. True, though I think that that specific setting kind of depends, though, just because like we're using the dice roller uh, um, that can be found on the internet, so mm -hmm. it calculates like the advantages and disadvantages, or whatever they're called, the um, successes and successes, failures, despairs, and advantages. It calculates that for us, so. 
that's a lot faster. I feel like if you had to do it with like dice on a table, like in person, it might be a little bit slower than just adding up, you know, a five that's, and a four. That's true. <laughs> that's true. Um, yeah. And then more options are also slower. Uh, so as I mentioned, yeah. And you know, the rules and your familiarity with the rules can also slow things down. Um, especially if you uh, switch systems a lot. I don't know who does that shit, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, yeah, it's, it's all of that. Um, like we've mentioned in the past, having someone who really has a firm grasp of the rules, even if it's not the GM, as long as they're not stopping every three seconds to be like, well, actually, um, (laughs) is really good. Like quite frequently, I'm willing to farm out frequently to Steve or Nick uh, or Monster. Monster's actually really on top of the 5e rules. Um, You know, have someone else who knows the rules or be willing to just say, hey, look that up. I'm going to move on to this. That can really help with how things move. (laughs) True. Uh, And then, of course, sometimes you want a slower pace. Like, we've talked a lot about, like, faster, faster, faster. Um, Spoilers, you do that too much and you get, like, a Zack Snyder movie, no offense if you like Zack Snyder, you will notice his movies move very quickly and it's all very ramped up, so it all blends together. Creating distinct pacing can also help with how people remember things. So, like, the pacing, like, breaks it up for your brain. Um, so, yeah. I think this also depends a lot on, like, the type of players that you have, like we mentioned True. earlier, is that, like, having players that are very like outgoing and can like improv really well might do well in a more um like fast-paced setting because you can say something and they'll have a response almost immediately because they're uh they're good at you know thinking of uh things on the spot but if you have a group that likes to be more methodical with what they do before they take the action um or likes to think about like like one of the things that i like to do is i like what did my character do in this situation because I'm not my character. <laughs> so I can just make up something and say this is what my character does, but I like to think about like what my character would logically do in that situation. And sometimes that leaves me going, uh... <laughs> I mean, that, <laughs> is a way, that is a way to slow down even the best improvisational characters. Give them something that's really hard to decide. Oh, yeah, that's true, yeah. Th- give them something that's a tough situation for their character. Hey, there aren't great options here, you know? They're going to be like, hmm... And they're going to, like, take a minute. Or sometimes, you know, they'll dive right into bed, not not worrying about, you know, who wins. <laughs> that was another shot at Steve. Just to uh, <laughs> it could also, hey, it could also be a shot at the commies character. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Two for the price of one. Anyway. Um, <laughs> so, you can slow down quite frequently. Um, you can tell players, like, oh, hey, we're going to be working with these two players. Um, if you have a, you know, if you need to step out for something, have something to do, you know, take a breather, stuff like that. Give them maybe a time. Um, that's perfectly fine. That can really help with like the regulating as long as you, the GM remembers to take a break when you need one. Don't be afraid <laughs> to call for a break. Um, I've done that, um, both to my detriment. Cause sometimes I'll just literally be like running, running, running. And everyone else has had a break, but me. <laughs> so, um, I've gotten better at that though. Uh, And then, of course, um, so that helps divide it up. Um, You can slow it down when uh, the story demands it, basically. So, like, oftentimes you get to a story beat that is tough 
or even that you might need to like take a little bit of time to think out, you know, you might slow it down a little bit, use uh, NPCs or something to try and figure out exactly what the players are looking for and then kind of move ahead. Uh, so don't be don't be afraid to kind of slow the players down a little bit with description or NPCs when you're thinking of something uh, and, you know, or, you know, present them with a problem that can't be solved quickly and see what they come up. True. Or, uh, I mean, if you want uh, to use tools, if you're a person that likes to have like things on hand, you could actually have like a puzzle in, you know, something that they're, that one group is trying to figure out and you give them like an actual puzzle um even if it's just like a piece of paper and it's like doodles on a piece of paper and they have to figure out how things like properly connect together or whatever um that could be a fun way to distract a group just for a moment so you can focus on someone else and kind of get things going but it's true uh i uh subscribe to the ted ed youtube channel and uh they quite frequently feature riddles and we've expressed in our tasha's episode i believe are somewhat dislike or is that maybe candle keep maybe both <laughs> yeah i can't remember it's one of the two but yeah yeah so definitely choose it well but they have riddles on there that are more and less simple um so yeah you can do you can do something like that i have fit this kind of stuff into a game and been able to give them enough clues without just giving it all away but having them still figure it out it's kind of cool um yeah and then of course sometimes a player needs to skip a session i already mentioned yeah don't be afraid. Also, don't be afraid to dwell on like emotional moments and just really important like plot and character development. True. And, and don't forget to make it like a major part of the story, which can be difficult if you've got a large group, but I feel like it can be kind of interesting. And if you've got enough people, it can be very interesting to kind of like pull someone's background into the forefront and make everyone else kind of experience like some of the similar things that that character is going through and help them understand. It's 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 not just like, oh, well, you know, like I we're just playing characters. It's, you know, what does that matter? But it's I don't know. I feel like it's it's interesting. It makes it feel more realistic as a setting yeah. um, and makes it more immersive if you do that. But you just have to figure out what the perfect number of players to do that is uh, for your <laughs> given campaign and for the backstory level of detail that you have. If obviously, if you have people that write one page backstories is going to be different than if you've got people that write. 10 or 20 page backstories as, as, as the normal year. Yeah. I, yeah. So Steve and I, as I've mentioned, have both had rather large and rather small game. Um, I guess I'm counting overall games here. As I mentioned, I have done one-on-ones, uh, but the smallest consistent group I've had is three. The one that Steve mentioned. And honestly, I think having three players is a blast. <laughs> uh, maybe it's just because <laughs> it's quite frequently uh, been Steve, Monster, and Trong, and uh, they work really well together. And for some reason, the games move like really quickly and seem much more organic. I don't know why. I'm not knocking any of my other players. I want to try it with different players at some point. But I was gonna say, I th I feel like we need to like experiment with that more because I I think it's just a combination of one the setting, two uh like our types of like play styles. Three, it being D and D, and something that like pretty much all three of us as the well, players are somewhat we, familiar with. But we also did it with Cthulhu Tech, where those rules are a freaking mess, and I I think it worked oh, there too. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, we need to experiment. <laughs> yeah, your mileage may vary 
honestly three players i could totally see someone being like oh no they they move way quickly <laughs> through stuff it's too fast <laughs> um yeah but yeah uh, whereas on the other end oh man how many players did we even have in that game you're talking about big j's to... uh cthulhu tech game or uh well big j was in it big j's girlfriend was in it we had those other two we had you we had my wife we had monster i think i'm not sure did we have trong yeah we had trong and trong that's eight already <laughs> i feel like yeah it was a big group one it was massive i feel like we also did a very similar size group with uh iron kingdoms with him as well at one point i there were as many players but i think we didn't get quite as big there um but i've run at least eight players at once and that was way too many of me i could <laughs> not like i had players bored i had like players who were like not involved the system was part of it because like they kept going off in like smaller groups so like we'd have like three different conversations going while i'm trying to like deal with one thing and then i'd have to like jump over interrupt a conversation get play back up it was just <laughs> that was way too many for me personally uh so yeah that's kind of my experiences with both small and large uh, I know Steve has run a more successful larger game than I have. So, uh, yeah, at the moment, uh, I mean, I'm still trying to figure it out because there's some stuff that I'm not quite happy with, and that's my Ravnica game, which is a D and D game in the setting of the world of Ravnica, which is a uh, setting from Magic: The Gathering. And I wanted to kind of have, like, I wanted my ideal was like, oh, maybe I'll have you know, like a person from each guild. There's ten different guilds um that you can choose and i was like that'd be really cool to have like people from like every different you know aspect that'd be interesting um and i mean i got pretty much people from widely different uh ones except for like one overlap and that's it um but i believe i had eight players and i asked 10 people something around there um sounds about right yeah like I have yet to start that one up, and that's my next one that I'm planning on um, running when I can get around to designing stuff. But uh, one of the troubles that I like I'm having to try and figure out in my head is that the interesting about the setting is that each guild kind of has um, like things that they're going to want you to do as a member of that guild. So it's very easy to say like, "Oh, well, Kevin's not here today." uh he's doing stuff with his guild and so simic has you know this stuff planned and he's doing this other stuff on the side yeah i got to experiment with them crassus make some more <laughs> yep. uh, shark to pie <laughs> god <laughs> yep that's very true um those are actual creatures in the ravnica universe um <laughs> this is very true actually that's that's going very much against my character uh, my character would probably be running like simulations for a mutation they want to give to another party member or something crazy like that <laughs> that's true but uh one of the things that like i'm struggling with is like how to how to keep a like main story going while still being able to have like small sessions with whoever i can get to show up at that session but, like hey i'm gonna run this session on this day you know if you can't make it that's fine i'll run it with you know whatever group we have and then they'll have their own adventure and then maybe i'll try and get the other people who weren't able to make it together and have them do their own session as whatever they were doing in the meantime um which is something that like i have the ability to do with this setting but it's very hard to tie everything in when you have a group that large either way 
But on the contrast, um, I mean, we've both run like small group uh, sessions before. Um, I've ran a couple of games with a single person before. And I mean, they had fun, which I guess is what mainly matters. But like most of the time, my main plot kind of gets sidelined <laughs> to their side quest stuff. Even if I try and like hard rope them in, it doesn't always work. Um, that's why it's kind of nice to have more players is that you have more people to like hook and then they can convince the other person or help convince uh, Steve, them you, to join. You've got to you've got to so. pull a me where they think they're going on a side quest and mysteriously they wind up in the main plot anyway. Uh, I'm famous I, for I pulling guess, that kind of yeah. shit. Oh, I guess, they go, yeah. They want to go on this side quest. Well, guess that group's part of the main plot now. <laughs> I guess it's just like because like I'm. I'm the type of person where I try and, like, I'd rather have the group have fun with whatever we're doing, even if it doesn't involve the story that I have planned. Like, I mean, it kind of sucks if, like, everyone was just like, we don't care about the plot, you know, like, screw that, we're just going to go off and do this thing on our own. And if, as long as the group is having fun doing that thing on their own and they're not, you know, sailing across the sea to avoid a horrible situation and go fight a kraken, <clears throat> I'm fine with it, so... <laughs> You know, you can kind of do whatever you want um, in, in my games. As long as you're having fun, then that's the the biggest part. So I tend to, it's like, oh, you don't want to, you know, do this. You'd rather do this other thing. It's like, okay. Um, I mean, maybe I should be a little bit more strong-armed as I spent the time to, like, make a story or whatnot. But Yeah, though, if we have players listening, not all GMs are able to do that. That is a skill of PS. So. Uh, which uh, side? Um, get them to stick to a plot or to let them have fun without not all like, yeah not all gms plot. are able to just let you do whatever some need oh, structure. okay that is a legit way to you know run uh, just because steve and i are a bit more freewheeling and a lot more improvisational doesn't mean <laughs> that your gm is bad for having like a, a plan so yeah no i'm actually envious of the gms that have like a good solid plan like uh like the kami i don't know how he did it but like when we were playing l5r he had some way of being like oh yeah you can go off and do this thing that you want to do on your own and that's cool you're doing this thing you're doing this thing you're doing this thing and oh look you're back in the main plot again somehow and like every time he did that like i was just like blown i was like what is this witchcraft <laughs> how does he do that it's called being able to control literally everything aside from the players <laughs> <laughs> then he knew the setting really well so it was very easy yeah. for him to like connect the dots in his head which helps a lot too i guess in yeah. terms of being able to handle a larger group is knowing everything else so that the unknowns are the only thing you have to worry about and that would be the players that's true i guess aside from system knowing the lore can also speed up person <laughs> on your game. true i usually true. discount that because uh, I we don't usually usually use set lore, yeah. Yeah, I homebrew or I play Star Wars or Marvel, where you can try to challenge me on what the <laughs> what happened, uh, <laughs> but I'm I'm probably right. <laughs> so you thought it was this, but it's actually just another Doom bot. God mm. damn it! <laughs> it's always another Doom bot. <laughs> it's good times. Um, I I'm I'm working on a plot for another Marvel session. And that's one of the the idea seeds that I'm like, maybe so. <laughs> and Doombots? Doombots. Doombots everywhere. Ha ha ha. And no, I'm not going to go the players were Doombots the whole time. Got upset when Marvel did that. 
can't believe Scarlet Witch the whole time. Anyway. Well, Tr- <laughs> Tron was, was Doom, kind of. He might have been a Doombot, for all we know. Hmm. Might have been a Doombot. Yeah. So, Steve, what is the ideal number of players? 34. Holy shit, man. You're, you're like a, you're a madman. <laughs> 34 <laughs> players. Actually, I was trying to make a uh, the meaning of life. Um, that 42? Oh, it's 42. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry, I've only seen the movie. <laughs> and I've seen it once. Oh, shit, man. Uh, uh, well, there you go. <laughs> womp, womp. <laughs> so Either say, way, it was a 34. wrong number. <laughs> you looked yeah. at it, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it depends on so many things. Um, like, I can't, I couldn't tell you. Uh, okay, I mean, I think I can safely say for most of our listeners and for most players that three to six is a good range. Yeah, I was going to say, like, if I have to pick a number and say, like, in, like, every scenario, or, like, factoring every scenario in that could possibly be, like, setting and, you know, story and that type of stuff and types of players, I would probably say, like, four to five is probably most common. I don't know what mine is for, like, the games that I'm running, because I have have a group that I wanted to be three, and then I have a group that, like, I wanted to be ten initially (laughs) when I started them, so... Yeah, it definitely depends on the game. I would say, okay, okay, let's phrase it like this. If you had to have only a certain number of players for every game for the rest of your life, what number would you? Three. <laughs> three? Okay, you're going low. I would Maybe say I'd pick three just because I feel like that would be, oh, man. like Because if I had to do every session for the rest of my life with like a larger group of players, I feel like because like, that's, you know, if it's four or five or even six, you know, that many backstories I have to read, that many hooks I have to design, that many <laughs> things I have to remember in each session. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like it'd be easier to run with fewer players, but not necessarily like too few. Maybe four. Maybe four would be the ideal then in that case. But yeah. I think that's the ideal for me too. And your little explanation there has pointed out the probable flaw with that like absolutist uh, mind uh, yeah, mind game, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah, I I think I'd say 4, maybe 5 for me. Uh I know the whole point of it was to stick to one number and we now we both said 2, but um, <laughs> yeah. Uh I I I also feel like most of the games I've run have had 4 to 5, so maybe that might factor it in too, so. Yeah. Oh uh, um, yeah. But I feel like we've given enough information that like you the listener should be able to figure it out for yourself. And uh you know, if you disagree, as we always say, play what you love, right? Oh, I thought we were going to go with Big Whoop, want to fight about it. <laughs> oh, man. I don't even know what that's a reference to. Family Guy. Oh, uh, womp womp. Of course <laughs> it would be Family Guy. Of course it would I know, be I, Family I, Guy. I know, I know. Specifically the the guy at the golf course. Anyway. <laughs> Should I Why just sign off? I remember off? that show. Sorry, what? Because it was constantly on television from like 2004 to like 2010. Um, yeah, that's true. <laughs> should I do sign off? Should I just sign off? Yeah, go for it. I already said the first part, but until next time, may your characters do something epic. All you three know, of them. All three of them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or, or, yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> whatever. <laughs> and just roll a dice and pick that many players, right? Just roll a d6. Yeah.
Thank you for listening. If you have any comments, questions, interjections, queries, notes, formal challenges, or suppositions, please email us at roimperfection at gmail.com. That's R-O-I-M-P-E-R-F-E-C-T-I-O-N at symbol G-M-A-I-L dot com. Or follow us on Twitter at roimperfection or Instagram search roimperfection. You can also visit our website at roimperfection.com. If you enjoyed our work, leave us a rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. Have a great week, everybody. Especially when it's like, like if you're like grading your own thing, it's like, oh yeah, how do I rate this movie? Uh, easy. But if you're like, okay, well, how do I grade this person's thing in comparison to all the other people in the class and ba- and also comparative to like my ideals of what I was trying to teach them? That, uh, that sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> I don't know. I guess it's not that bad. I actually sometimes have more difficulty judging a film, but I... Really? Yeah, because there's like a lot of different criteria versus... Stuff I taught them in the course and stuff that's on their little assignment sheet. That stuff I can definitely ding them on. <laughs> so it's it's kind of a the subjectiveness comes into like how much each issue is worth, that kind of stuff. I just hate numbers really. Be real real. I'd actually be mm. much happier just going C A B B. Like I'd be happier just giving letters. Do but. do you have to assign them like an actual like number based grade value yeah it's not the final grade i put in the final grade i put in is uh, a letter but oh the, i just uh, when i've seen like english teachers for my stuff just be like oh this is a 90 this is an 80 and i like never see anything variance it's like you either get like the letter or you get you know a different letter and that's it you just know man that must be real nice i mean they still have they still have to put in the points at the end because like you well oh, I, yeah. I think you can average together a bunch of letters but that's like more complicated math than i care about um, mm. I do. I, I let the system do as much of the number counting as I can. But anyway, um, yeah. most of that's probably numbers. Getting, <laughs> most of that's probably not going to put in the episode. True. Um, <laughs>